Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Is there such a thing as real magic? Could the government be manufacturing aliens? Are there really witches flying around Mexico? Hey there, and welcome to the uh, 516th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those diverse questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So this evening, we bring you an open line show on many different paranormal subjects, and we do welcome your phone calls. The number locally is 401-766-1240, and anywhere from the U.S. or Canada at 800-449-1240. So let us begin. I'm going to do something unusual tonight to start. Two of the questions I just asked at the intro here were asked to me verbally. Nobody wrote in about them. In fact, one person called. So they just it was just one sentence and that was it? Yes, that's all they said. Then they hired <laughs> um, All right. Could the, now, the first one is in, is in writing, but the second one, could the government be manufacturing aliens? Now, th- th- this immediately brought to mind Michael Heiser... Michael S. Heiser, the the novelist we had on oh, yeah. uh, some time ago, and his book The Facade, which I must say is one of the best science fiction books I have ever read. And it was a, well, not, not to give away the plot, but it involved the possible manufacture, or, or I should say cloning or DNA <laughs> manipulation of something to turn it into what looks like a gray alien. Okay? Right. You know, you know, anything is possible. And someone actually called... And we don't encourage that. I mean, we do encourage you to write in so that you know we can get it straight. But you know, did uh, I think that that was possible? And they had just listened to that podcast from whenever it was. And I, I, so I, I, I just don't know. We we are not UFO experts. We do appear at UFO conferences uh, time and they, well now and again. And yeah, I don't, uh, I'm still scratching my head about that one. We're, I don't know. We're, well, we're still learning about the subject, but we embraced it in a sense because in quote-unquote ghost cases we have kept running it we we keep running into ufo phenomena that are associated with the same area and this all goes with our theory that we're, we're dealing with parallel worlds not spirits and that these worlds interact and can contain things that we interpret as ufos ghosts and even bigfoot or whatever terms you want to use so th- that's the basic background of that so um, we we are getting into more of the UFO field from that point of view, and people are, are seem to be interested in what we have to say on that because I don't know if anybody else is saying it. But anyway, uh, I think that um, could, given the state of technology, uh, my own military experience uh, showed me that we are about, as far as what we know, we're about 10 years behind what's actually happening technologically, whether it be with aircraft or whether it be with... Um, I suppose the genetics and the uh, what's being done with the information about the human genome. I mean, someone made a point once that essentially a gray alien is looks like a human fetus. Yeah. I mean, the, the, that that's that, that that's one of the things that really sort of messed with my head the most because I was like, wow, it really does. Well, again, you know, we don't want to go nuts here. Yeah, you know, I know. We don't, I know. It's, it's, I'm it's, just saying it's a little little observation. But no, but on the other hand, me. I mean, we do deal with everything. Yeah. Bizarre, and and the world is a very bizarre place, and our authorities, those who rule us, are even more bizarre, in my opinion, sometimes. So, anything is possible. Anything could be happening in this regard. So obviously, we can't. I haven't really heard anything about that from any of our contacts or sources in that field, but uh, then again, they tend to be like the ghost 
hunting people, sort of married to an old-time classic view that fits our human paradigm. And, and whether it be aliens or ghosts or whatever terms you want to put on these things, they are, I think, way beyond that paradigm. Right. I mean, that's almost entirely unknowable. Yeah. Well, I, was, I don't think it's unknowable, but unknowable from that, that, that framework. Right. And so uh, I think it's an interesting possibility. We will keep minds open about that. We don't have any evidence one way or the other. And the second question that I received verbally within the past two months, are there really witches flying around Mexico? Oh, the uh, La Bruja? <clears throat> yes, exactly. Uh, would you translate for us? If you... Hold on. <laughs> okay. The witch? Yes, that's that's right. Uh, that that's uh, Marion, uh, uh, Ben's Ben's lovely uh, girlfriend, and she is uh, with us in the studio tonight. Not necessarily to be on the show, but uh, to do some uh, Spanish translations, real quick, because that is her field of expertise. <laughs> when we actually uh, languages, <laughs> modern you know. languages. Oh, there we go. Specialty. Yes. Yep. So, so the, the term brujaha would would that be of Spanish derivation, having to do with witches and uh, hullabaloo and chaos? I mean, I think. So. I mean, I think so. Okay. All right. There we are. So in any case, uh, this comes from some information that has been circulating for some years now. Uh, YouTube, that's your debut on the show, that's cool. Uh, on YouTube and other sources, and I have looked into it. Uh, yeah, I remember somebody showed friends me that, down showed me there that too. And, yeah. And what essentially it amounted to was, uh, and, and there were some police involved in some cases, and the, the, uh, the cameras on the police cars, which I guess they're all police all over the world have now, actually recorded some phenomena, and there was someone who got some uh, video of, of this, what looked like an old person, although very far away, up up on a hilltop, you know, of the kind they have in the desert there, Yeah, in the southwest and in central Mexico, north Mexico, kind of walking along, and then all of a sudden, when he got to the edge of the cliff, did not stop walking, just sort of kept going, and... Uh, Pull the legs up and kind of went across. And of course, the first question we ask with, with this or any other kind of flying humanoid, which is a phenomenon that is known now in late 20th century, early 21st century paranormal studies, uh, is, is I wonder if it's not balloons. Because this has been done. People have hoaxed flying humanoids by having, a, I, I know in one case, uh, in the southwest California or Arizona, a bunch of black balloons tied together sort of in the shape of the basic garden variety human shape, and up it went, and everybody, you know, thousands are calling in, uh, reporting UFOs and yeah, flying yeah. humanoids. Although I'm not sure who, who you report flying humanoids to, the FAA or uh, <laughs> I don't know. So and it, that that was the first thing that occurred to me. But uh, but people who supposedly know what they're doing have looked at this video. Uh, people with uh, your kind of background and. Well, your audio, but video people supposedly know what they're looking at. Uh, we're saying that uh, there was something very genuine about it, and uh, there uh, there have been police encounters. With yeah. Oh, I know the video you're talking about. It's sort of like a newscast uh, from some. Uh, 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 yeah, that's right. From one of the Mexico City stations. Yeah. Yeah, and they actually talked to like a a uh, cop or something who was in. He's in like a cemetery or something, and they got recall. They got like calls of somebody wandering through the cemetery. Yeah, and they were just like, "Well, I guess we'll go check it out." So they went to um, go, or he went to go investigate, and like he like came face to face with this bruja or whatever. And yeah. It was like a really 
terrifying looking woman with like huge nail, like long nails. Almost stere- stereotypical. Yeah. Kind of thing, which makes me a little bit suspicious. But I remember an interview with one police officer from Mexico who had been uh, driving down the street in, in one particular town that has been subject to this. And uh, it was something in a tree. And it descended from the tree and landed right in front of his cruiser. And, uh, he, and he, and this is one thing I look for when people are being interviewed. He was scared to death. Yeah. You, you, you yeah. kind of know when people are being honest and when they're scared to death and they're reporting something like this, that means that he experienced something. Yeah. And uh, naturally, as with any other thing in the paranormal, we, we attach a term to it that our paradigm can understand. In this case, witches, Witch. which of course is actually uh, sort of an insult to the Wiccans, which I don't like to do because they're, they're good people, the ones I know. They, they, they tend to... Uh, the, the word which actually means the wise, you know, those, those who know in, in, in a good sense, you know. And Wait, so, really? uh. What language? Yeah. Uh, Saxon, uh, old Saxon. Oh, uh, that's why. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, any of those, the, 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 the words related to it, but it means the wise and those who are familiar with the earth and the, the various things that are divine in, in that, in the environment and, and how God manifests. And, say, and, and they're, um, yeah, the ones I know are, are really, really. I, I like I like the spirituality because uh, there's a lot of, as with anything today, there's a lot of spiritual immaturity among some people. But you could, uh, you know, that that could be the case in any any faith, any religion. But in any case, uh, so uh, th- but they call them witches because it's got the stereotypical kind of look about it. It's like money flying Holy through the Grail. air. Nobody saw any broomsticks, but this uh, I've seen several of the flying variety, and one or two may have been hoaxes. But this this particular one that I'm referring to is not uh, generally thought of as a hoax. So th- so that's wasn't her real nose; it was a false one. Yes, that's right. That's right. Uh-huh. So are there really witches flying around Mexico? Well, I don't know about witches, but there may be something. And, of course, the, the uh, some speculation has uh, – th- there's a very active UFO community in, in Mexico. And, as a matter of fact, I'd like to get Jaime Mausen on. He's a journalist in Mexico City and also one of the leaders of the UFO community down there. And we have a lot of listeners in Mexico, believe it or not, and um, – We'll try to get Jaime on, and uh, I don't know him very well, but try to get him on and uh, maybe talk about this. But so for the time being, there could be uh, UFO connections with this. Uh, UFOs um, are very, very prominent, and uh, even over Mexico City, they've been seen. Oh yeah, uh, during military parades and all different stuff going on, and there are all these UFOs are all over the place from Phoenix on all the way down to Mexico City through the central part of the the area. That's a common occurrence. So, all right, so that, that's, uh, that's so much a- for our verbal questions. So we have uh, some questions from Facebook. We do do encourage you to write to us, uh, message us on Facebook until our form is fixed, or if, if it's going to be online. <laughs> if and when that well, is. Well, I don't know. See, they had to switch to a different kind of system, and it's not, um, what is it, front page, uh, whatever, extensions anymore. And so it's, it's something different. There's an entirely different kind of thing you have to do to get a form on. All right, there. well, anyway, the question. Anyway, all right. The first one is from... Our buddy Ted Torbish, the uh, of Stench of Truth Radio. You got to love that name on the Inception Radio Network on the net, and he wrote in a question. The literal net. All right, so Ted wrote to us: uh, Have you ever looked into or considered real magic as an operative in uh, our reality? It seems that occult technology uh, could be used uh, much like parasites act in your scheme in order to access energies from other realities to um, enact change here. What do you think? Expound and expand as you see fit. 
Sounds like a school assignment. Thank you, Ted. Very good question. I want 250 words on the. Yes, uh, 25 words or less. um, I'm looking at uh, one turn of phrase in here occult technology. What is he, what is he How mean? would you interpret like a, that? A, a Ouija board machine? Like, no, no, no. I think, well, well I, I all right. Know what Since he means. you didn't answer the question, I will interpret it. Please. As, uh, now I'm thinking of who did we have on who was talking about, I expected technology. more from this guest, but he was talking about, gee, what, what we could do if we could harness, say, psychokinesis, the, the, uh, the apparent ability to move things without apparent physical means, right? Right. such as we would have fatter. in poltergeist cases. <laughs> we could what? We could get fatter. Well, that, well, 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 I'm not talking about necessarily health point of view. But yeah, I'm just saying. In other words, you know, suppose you didn't have to use a ship to move, uh, I suppose, containers of goods from here to Europe or the other way around. You know, that, that's yeah, you could apport it or whatever. You could apport it, you know. So maybe, the, I don't know if that's what he means by occult technology. I mean, I think all that is possible, but uh, I don't know. Well, you know, you know industrial like application, commercial applications for paranormal power. It's, it's being talked about. Can I look? At, can I look at that while, sure. while you while you keep keep talking and expounding and expanding upon this? Uh, well, uh, you know, I, I think that um, uh, real magic. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this several times. Well, it's I mean, real in quotes, by the way. Well, real in quotes. Well, in other words, a magic that is not caused by some trick. Or that is what it appears to be. But then magic doesn't have to do with technology, or does well, it? Well, I don't know. Again, these are terms that aren't really good enough for what we're using them for. Um, I've often said that prayer is a real effective um, power, especially when, when done in a group, in, in a context of faith, and that magic in the best sense of the word, is perhaps prayer taken to the next level, you know, influencing the environment. When you would stand around and, and uh, hold hands and pray for someone to be healed, and they sometimes are, isn't that really uh, a form of magic in the best sense of the word? Well, I think you the know, term magic, sort of like the term fairy or troll or whatever, yeah, it, attracts, carry, it carries with it a lot of baggage. It does. It does. That's so, the problem. We but, operate in we operate in a realm where the terms are heavy, very heavy, and yes. they're like sledgehammers when you use them. Yes. Like you say EMF, and people are like, "Oh, ghost signatures." Or, or electro- whatever, meaning electro electromagnetic uh, yeah, fields. Yeah, but even yeah. then, I mean, like I said, a lot of these things could could carry a lot of weight. So, like, um, say, demon or whatever, yeah. or parasite or whatever. The terms a lot just, of baggage, with a, a lot, yes. lot of cultural baggage, a lot, a lot of uh, yeah, so you know, folk baggage. With so some you of this see stuff. these things, and it just sounds kind of weird. Well, be, be that as it may, that, that being said. I think, uh, yes, I think that, that this certainly can be operative in our reality. And we're always talking about, sh- well, not always, but a lot of times sh- about shamans and what they do. And as, as the shaman in 1979 in Australia explained to me, that, that this is what we do. They use multiple worlds. They go into worlds where what is needed exists, maybe a healing or something like that, and they, they, they collapse the wave. He didn't use the, the term that a physicist would use, collapsing the wave. <laughs> just draws that's what it, it amounts to. Blackboard. No, we didn't have a blackboard. We were on some old store storefront porch in the middle of nowhere outside Melbourne, but and it was hot. But well, he, um, yeah, it was it was January, but because that was the middle of the 
Their summer. The summer, yeah. yeah. So in any case, he explained this is what they do. They, they use what amount, what our terms would be, uh, multiple worlds, and, and they, they bring them together in ways that need to be done, and they've been doing that for forever, pretty much. So that, I suppose, is an application of a practical, uh, I suppose you could apply the term magic, operative in our reality, right? So I think I would give Ted a big yes on this. The thing is that's still making my head real is occult technology. Well, it's a term I haven't quite heard. I've heard paranormal technology and applying, again, things like psychokinesis to commercial use. And again, as I said in the previous question, we are about 10 years behind in our knowledge, public knowledge of what's really going on technologically, especially if the government's around and behind it. So things like this have been discussed since the 70s, or actually the 60s, there have been projects like Project Stargate, believe yeah. it or not, that was the name, uh, to apply paranormal principles uh, to sort of to weaponize the paranormal. I consider that personally very disturbing. People have no idea what they're dealing with with this stuff. Well, it was the Cold War. Well, it was the Cold War, and the Soviets were doing the same thing, and they had a certain amount of success. Yeah. The idea was uh, to use remote viewing to actually cause explosions at a great distance using the power of the mind and things like this which which is which is what which is actually reaching into other worlds and doing what shamans do although from a very dark point of view a very very, very sort of a, from a, a very dark way of using Turn to the dark side these are all the same phenomena with different terms applied yeah i mean like i said so, it's all the terminology exactly so and we get bogged down in that so um again you have to act in our in, from what we're describing with parallel worlds, yeah, that's that's I think how it works, and uh, I consider it somewhat um, upsetting that uh, these things could be used this way. But I think Ted is right. I think this absolutely is is certainly possible. So let's move on. We got uh, Nick. I'm not going to use his last from Marietta, Ohio. He's written in before, I think. Alrighty, so Nick writes to us. Uh, Paul and Ben, I have listened to your show for years, and your theories have really grown on me. Uh, since we are living many lives at the same time, isn't it possible that we are also hunting, or haunting many places uh, at once, or at least seen uh, that, uh, that, uh, or at least seem that way by uh, the people that live in that world? When people experience ghosts, I wonder how many other people are seeing and hearing the same ones. Well, that's a good point, Nick. Uh, the um, you could be hunting, also, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh... yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, I suppose that's certainly possible. Uh, I've often wondered that. You know, how many people, for example, you know, one of the uh, most common types of figures seen in old castles in Europe. And as a matter of fact, I asked our distant cousin, the, the Earl of Devon, when I, well, a couple while well, we were in Ireland with him on the, in 06, you weren't there, but nope. I asked her, I said, you know, are there any particular uh, phenomena going on at, because I was addressing the family group on this, they had me just talk about it because they were interested. And he said, he said, yeah, at Powderham Castle in Devon, where he lives, uh, there is the family home for 700 years of the Courtenay family. Have there been any particular patterns or manifestations? And he said, yeah, well, there's a gray lady sometimes seen. And uh, we were there. We didn't 
we, we didn't see the gray lady, but we were in an area that, because in front of when we visited, everybody was, the whole family was speculating, oh, well, gee, will they, will they guess all the places in, in the castle that, that are, you know, fluky? And uh, sure enough, we, we pinned with that one particular area in the staircase. Yeah, and there's and, uh, one room that felt like a bathroom. It was so humid. Yeah, yeah. It was weird. Well, well, uh, Lady Catherine said we got it, pretty much got it, but in any case, yeah, really the gray lady is very common. If we talk to anybody, in uh, the aristocracy over there who uh, lives in any kind of an old house, uh, they will, uh, not nine times out of ten, maybe seven times out of ten, talk about the gray, a gray lady. Now, uh, what is this exactly? Is it the spirit of some dead person? Well, I don't think so. I think there were many events in these old castles, such as uh, the English Civil War in the 1640s, which were very traumatic for people who lived there. A lot of people were suffering or were killed, and that sends out echoes through space-time, and you can see, I don't think spirits of anybody, but the actual people in those times when the energies are, are right that these can cross. And very often we find that the boundaries between these worlds, strange as it may sound, are often gray or a very bright light, essentially plasma, electrified air molecules that seem to be activated by the presence of these boundaries. And uh, they will, people will sometimes look gray across these boundaries. So whether it's the same event or the same person uh, could be, uh, we have found a tremendous, uh, I suppose, uh, similarities between certain quote-unquote ghosts from place to place. So it's very possible that a lot of people are uh, seeing the same even the same people, uh, or at least certainly the same phenomena as, as, as uh, we just described. The uh, issue of um, us being ghosts ourselves, I've actually run into that, where the what we're investigating is just going about their daily life somewhere or somewhere else, and they think we're ghosts haunting them, because that's how they see us. They see us as these gray shapes, or we come across as they do to us, and this sort of thing. So it's a it's an open system, the multiverse. It seems to uh, be a free give and take of energy, and it does form a very uh, elegant uh, reality. And uh, the question, of course, theologically, people ask, well, what are you talking about more than one creation? Well, you know, we learned in the seminary and, and in the basic catechism that God created the universe out of sheer, pure love. And love is, by its nature, unrestricted and unbounded. And it, there seems to be a pretty logical jump from one creation to many. How much love does it take to create one creation when you can create every single possibility that ever could, ever can, or ever would exist? That's what the multiverse seems to be. I think it, it, is, a, it is a glorious uh, statement of divine love. Because everything is out there. And uh, because God seems to really love endless variety, endless variety, and it's uh, He didn't create everything all at once either. Everything is still created. If you look at the, the, the idea of quantum physics, new worlds are constantly be, being created with every action that we take. Uh, it's quite a quite a fascinating study. So yeah, I don't see why we're not out there haunting <laughs> things ourselves, Nick. And it's a uh, a good question. All right, here's the next question. Uh, ben has stepped out, so I'll read it. This is from Dr. Peter in Iowa, who writes in every now and then. He doesn't dare tell us uh, anything other than Iowa, because being a doctor, he naturally uh, has to be careful of his um, 
how he appears on the air. Anyway, here's his question. Do you agree that dreams are both fascinating and under-researched? Dreams come up in med school, came up in med school, but since I wasn't going to be a psychologist, I guess he's an MD, I should say, or a, or a, a phys- doctor, you know, physical ailments, uh, they weren't a major theme in my courses, and the approach taken was not surprisingly shallow and materialistic. Now, why don't you finish this? This is the second paragraph of Dr. Uh, Peters. Alrighty. So, uh, uh, taking the dream phenomenon and considering it in uh, light of your multiverse theories uh, can get pretty mind-blowing. What are your thoughts about uh, dreams in the multiverse uh, by location? And uh, could ghosts uh, be people having dreams? I recall that uh, case in Maine you mentioned several times where the girl uh, was a ghost seen by the family uh, while she was dreaming of the same events. What kind of dreams do you two have? <laughs> do, <laughs> do, certain kinds of dream, do certain kinds of dreams run in the family? Or do certain kinds of dreams run in families? Well, those are good questions, Doctor. You're always writing good questions. Thank you very much. Well, you know, I don't like to overemphasize dreams. I think some people do. but Sometimes on the other- a dream is just a dream. Yeah, on the other hand, uh, they can be, I think, have significance. But I mean, we've had guests, we've had several shows on this, and people have said, well, you know, this means this, it means that. Well, maybe it does, I don't know. Uh, but in any case, we'll be right back with that question. And you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON, 1240 in New England's glorious and beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We will be right back. Stick with us. Get down to brass tacks at home with me, Bob Vila, and my tip of the day every day right here. The Bob Vila Home Improvement Tip of the Day is brought to you by DNS Painters of Woonsocket. Give Ron a call at 401-339-4625. For interior or exterior painting, you can't go wrong with the highly skilled painters of DNS Painting. 401-339-4625. And welcome back. And before we uh, resume our questions, I wanted to just mention several charities Ben and I have adopted. We always mention them on the air. Uh, USACares.org, uh, help, uh, much financial help given to veterans and their families, particularly those who have lost loved ones in uh, the wars, uh, in the uh, war on terror. And also Canadian Veterans Advocacy, our friends up north who have been with us in the war on terror. And uh, Mike Blaze up in Ontario formed this group. And what they do is uh, engage in legislative advocacy for Canada's veterans, and they do a fine job as well. And also locally, buildershelpingheroes.org, a, an activity, a nonprofit activity, the Rhode Island Builders Association, and working with Homes for Our Troops uh, in Massachusetts, they recently presented a home just last, uh, well, a week ago Saturday, I was there, and uh, presented a home to the Dubois family. And uh, Kevin Dubois, Corporal, U.S. Marine Corps, lost both legs in Afghanistan uh, while in the line of duty. And it was a wonderful, wonderful thing to be uh, present uh, for and to see uh, the uh, tremendous moral obligation that this is. And I'm thinking of General McHale, who was speaking at this, uh, the, head, the uh, head of Homes for the President of Homes for Our Troops, who said, this is not a charity. This is a moral obligation for us to do. And he's right. So check those out. Uh, Homes for Our Troops, Builders Helping Heroes. Canadian Veterans Advocacy and USA Cares. Great, great charities. Okay, so let's get back to our questions. And we were working on one by Dr. from Dr. Peter in Iowa, who writes in um, very thoughtful questions uh, from time to time. And he's asking about dreams. And I, I suppose I really have to share this. Uh, I don't know if I'll name the politicians involved, but I had a dream last night that was very uncharacteristic of me, but it was the funniest. I woke up laughing. And it was essentially... Um, 
Ben's mom and I were at a uh, an outdoor function here in Rhode Island where we live, and uh, there was there seemed to be some political overtones. And uh, <clears throat> we have a rather controversial governor here. He's a very nice person, but he there have been some serious questions about um, well how he does his job. But anyway, he was in this dream. And he had been convinced in the dream that an alien invasion of Rhode Island was going to take place. Now, why they would want Rhode Island, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty, but I don't know. It's pretty goofy sometimes. So he um, had been proven wrong, and uh, one of the uh, one of uh, both of our U.S. senators were involved in this group, and uh, the governor was trying to uh, sort of figure out how he could hide from this. So he went down these stairs in this dream, and uh, he came back, came out with a, a box over his head with um, windows in it, and inside the box with him was one of our U.S. senators. And, <laughs> and I, I'm not going to mention that because I, was, I know all these people. Rhode Island is so small. We know, we all know the governor. Well, not all of us, but we know the governor. We know all this. <laughs> so I'm a, you know, these people are friends of mine. So, I'm like, so uh, he, they came up, and they, it was like something out of an Our Gang comedy. A cloud formed over their head, started to, Keystone Cops started to rain, thunder and lightning, chased them down the road, they banged into a tree and bounced off. It was absolutely hilarious. That's so weird. So, uh, that was one of my dreams. So I don't know how, what sort of serious life message that would have, Dr. Peter, uh, if we are considering all dreams to be of, of equal importance. <laughs> On the other hand, uh, it is through dreams that we, that I think we we do receive important messages. I mean, if, if you look, I'll have people who come up to me and say, "Well, the Bible doesn't say that," and they say dreams don't really just reflections of waking life. Well, also I might point out to those folks that uh, it was a dream by Saint Joseph, uh, who uh, saved the lives of the Holy Family, as as we we often refer to them, uh, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, when he was a baby. And they went to Egypt away from the uh, slaughter of the innocent children by Herod, which is not recorded anywhere in history, very surprisingly. But that's another story. They dug up something about that. They did? Yeah. I'd like to look at that because something that momentous would have started a revolution immediately. I think I think I started. Anyway, but that's not the point. I don't know. So dreams have played an important role in the history of many things, uh, biblical and otherwise. And so there are, I think, important things that uh, they are part of our lives, and they may be part of our super lives, as we sometimes call them, reflections of lives in parallel universes. Oh, yeah. Um, I have a very odd sleep pattern, which I developed as a newspaper journalist over many years. For You know, that's, I won't go into how exactly I sleep, but it's, it's a little bit broken up. And as a result, I tend to remember more dreams. And as I keep a record of these, which I do in writing, something you can look at after I'm departed this mortal coil. Why do you keep it in a safe? No, well, no, not not exactly. Anyway, this this sort of thing, uh, I find that um, I visit many of the same places again and again, sometimes with Ben's mom, sometimes with Ben. Ben and I have shared dreams from time to time. Yeah, that's happened a few times. And I find out that... Um, I have the, I have, I'll be in a certain, well, I'll have life memories going all the way back to birth in these worlds, which are quite different from the world in which I live. And, and when you really pay attention to these things, they're very interesting. I don't know how much they really mean, 
but certainly it's uh, if if it's what it appears to be it's uh, an interesting reflection of our super lives of the parallel lives that that we li- live in many worlds but that form one us really and uh, very often we get our people often attribute that to reincarnation which I don't really believe in and certainly not in the classical sense i think it's instead parallel lives that, that where you have fears where you have bad things happen or or good things and wisdom that you don't have in your everyday, day-to-day consciousness here. So I think dreams can reflect that, Dr. Peter. I know that you have written in uh, similar subjects before. Now, uh, I think that's how we would interpret in light of the uh, multiverse theories, if those theories are correct. Right. Uh, he also asks, could ghosts be people having dreams? Well, it's funny uh, that you bring that up, because I think that that may very, may very well be true. I'm thinking of an, exper- of, of an experiment carried on by... Um, uh, my late old uh, uh, friend, uh, the uh, uh, well, actually, it was uh, well, there was Keith Harari from John F. Kennedy University in California, uh, and um, a few other people actually uh, who were carrying on certain experiments, and they actually saw one of their number walking down a hallway when the guy was asleep somewhere else, and he did mention a dream that was involved. So you do tend to see this happening. So I think, yes, yeah, some, some of these things could be people having dreams. And the case you referred to in Maine as uh, a familiar one to our longtime listeners. Uh, it was 1979, and there was a young girl, student at the University of Connecticut, who was uh, really freaked out by something that had happened the previous weekend, and it turned out she had been having dreams of this house in Maine. I should say her sister had been having dreams of a house in Maine uh, that they encountered on a drive through that area. They they met the people who lived in the house because she ran up to the door before they could stop her, and they had seen the girl walking around the house in various in transparent form in various situations that she had dreamed about. Now, interestingly, these sightings had occurred while she was awake, so it seems that there were, there there was no particular particular temporal. Um, unity between the events, at least in our particular world at the time consciousness stream or whatever you want to call it so uh, but that be that as it may that seems to be an example of people having dreams and being seen as ghosts there are a number of examples of that and what kind of dreams do you two have well uh he asks as well i think that um we have talked much about the good world that i think will play my dreams don't usually make sense well those you remember the ones I remember don't yeah. really make much sense. So, I mean, yeah, I, mean, we, I don't think we dream any more oddly than most people, except for that one I described, but that, that was the funniest thing I, <laughs> in a long time. Yeah, yeah, you also have to know some of our politicians here. Uh, do certain kinds of, dream, kinds of dreams run in families? That's an interesting, uh, I think, well, if you and I are any example, I think that might be true to some degree. Mm. Um, but it's, um, it's a good question. It gets into some studies. As, uh, we want to get in, in, in a week or so, we're going to have Dr., uh, no, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have doc- uh, the 27th of, January, we're going to have Dr. Uh, Jim Tucker on, who is a a doctor from the University of Virginia who has done a lot of studies on reincarnation memories in children. And uh, as I say, I don't believe in the classical idea of reincarnation, but that's the, how, the, how our paradigm would see it. I believe in these parallel lives that we're all that are all part of us now. Uh, but in any case, I think that um, in that sense, dreams can run in families, twins have been found to have similar dreams from time to time. They also have similar, quote-unquote, reincarnation memories. 
So that's something we'll take up with Dr. Tucker in a few weeks. But thank you for writing in, Dr. Peter. Always very interesting to hear from you. Yeah, so you can check back then for some more. Yes, uh, uh, make sure to listen. It'll be the 27th on this station. Okay, so this is from Meg in Kirkland, Washington, right on the bottom there. Alrighty, so uh, Meg writes to us, Hey guys, uh, you have uh, been off the, off the CBS station here for a week, and I'm already having withdrawal symptoms. Luckily, I can get yeah, your so New England we. show over my computer. My friend is having some kind of haunting. She feels that uh, it is uh, the guy that lived in her house before and died there. He was very nice and smoked a pipe, and you can smell the pipe smoke sometimes uh, when you go there. The trouble is that I am not so sure. You guys say not to trust these things, and I am, I am not to take them at face value. Uh, but it is not just that. I have a very bad feeling about this ghost or whatever it is. It is trying to communicate with my friend, but whenever I go over there, I feel very negative energy, and I feel like it is watching me. It is almost as if it knows uh, that I know that it is not what it seems to be. I question my feelings about I have a question my feelings because my friend lives there and I do not. Maybe I am uh, reading into the situation too much. Uh, what should we do? Well, that's a good question. But first, some comment. I wanted to thank everyone who we've received many, many uh, expressions of sympathy and condolence upon <laughs> the death of the part of the CBS network that carried our Sunday show. And again, we, we were not canceled as such. But uh, the entire part of the network was eliminated. It was a corporate decision out of New York, and, and uh, you know, far be it from us to question it. Uh, I'm being facetious there. But in any case, it took about 15 shows with it, including us. But we're still here, uh, dear old uh, Owen, at, uh, on Monday evening. So that's what people are referring to. But thank you for all those who wrote in about that. Uh, stay tuned for future possibilities, because there's always something interesting going on with us. All right. But to get back to Meg's question, this is... A very astute observation on your part, Meg, and um, good for you for we're proud noticing of you. It. Yes, we are proud. Yes. Now, what uh, we're dealing with here is something that's very common. People remember that people, and you know your friend better than we do, but people will very often uh, feel, I suppose, a certain special in a certain way. Well, when, I mean, even a parasite can be charming. Oh yes, I've met some very charming ones. Yeah. And I think what's happening here is it's possible that it could be a parasite situation. Because they, they, they are, when I say parasites, for those who don't know, very briefly, it's just, this is what, they're entities, they're not spirits, they're perfectly physical, but they seem to, to operate between worlds, and they will literally draw off your own energy, particularly negative energy, in order to eat. Now, I would like to know, if anything negative is going on in this house, uh, Meg, that, that you, you know about. I'm not saying that you know the people are bad or anything like this, but the, there could be a certain amount of stress in the right situation where you have the right geotechnical, geotechnic energies, you've got the right EM fields being manipulated by something, and, and you could have uh, the ducks lined up to have a potential parasite case. One of the things they will often do is pretend to be something benign. It's funny, Ben, you know, too, and we, we have run into this, uh, not so much you, but I've run into it a lot you know, over the years in a lot of cases. There are certain I feel like, arch- archetypal figures oh, yeah. who will appear in cases will turn out yeah, to that's be parasites. Right. That's, that's why, yeah, isn't the man smoking the pipe one of them? Because I know, I know I've read that before in, enough, in another email. Yes, because it keeps coming up. Uh, one, one of the, th- several of the ones I've run into, and I've run into it three times over the years, is the man in the checkered shirt. And the little blonde girl in the dress. The little blonde girl in a dress with sometimes flowers in her hair. I ran into that yep. in right in Cumberland. Yep. One case. And 
how, what could be more benign than a little blonde girl with flowers in her hair, right? Or an old man. Now, sometimes they really are, you know, they're, they're from other times and places, and you, people catch sight of them, and they catch sight of us, but... It's also um, it also featured in a case not far from here in Burrowville, Rhode Island, one uh, that we essentially were wor- that I was working on since 1998, and you came in on in 05, where there was nasty parasite case, very bad situation, and they would see a little girl with blonde hair, sometimes especially at night, and this can be a manifestation of a overlapped world that has nothing to do with the parasite, but it often does indicate a possible problem, so. If you've got something that your friend feels is benign, um, it could be the. Uh, but but the very fact that you yourself or that anyone feels negative in the presence of this is is a red flag in my opinion. Yeah, I trust think you your should, gut. Yeah, I trust your gut. I think you should continue to watch this and continue to watch your friend. I don't know how many other people are in the house. But uh, the the guy who lived in the house before and died there is is another common theme. Very rarely is it is that what it really is, uh, because it, I've walked into case after case after case over the years. But oh, it's got to be the guy who, you know, committed suicide here or who died here and this and you know, he had a sad life and everything. Well. He has unfinished yeah. business. Yeah, well, maybe, you know, there can be overlaps if the situation is correct and you can smell the pipe smoke or the perfume or something, but it's not, you know, a haunting in that sense. It's not the spirit of the person stuck there. I don't, I just don't believe that's how it works. So I think you might have something that's, uh, that's negative here. You ought to keep an eye on it. Uh, let us know. Uh, and what, one thing that you mentioned here that, that kind of sends up another red flag is it is trying to communicate with your friend. That's no good. No, but when I go over, I feel very negative energy and I feel like it is watching me. Okay. Yeah, I'd say that, that, that is the clincher right there, in my opinion, that you really need to keep an eye on this. And certainly share what we said with your friend, maybe listen to the podcast. But um, just because something's paying attention to you does not mean that it's good. Just because something appears to be good, especially in this realm, does not mean that it is. Nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be. I mean, All just as you're being be wary of caution. a stranger, you should be wary of something like this Precisely. in your house. Precisely. It's like you, your parents tell you don't talk to strangers. Well, you, you probably Yeah, especially be. with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, let's... Um, I'd say, well, what should you do? Be very careful. Uh, send us some more information. Right? I don't think you're reading into the situation at all. All right, next is from Sue in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. Sue writes to us, I am always interested when you talk about uh, haunted areas like Runnelstrom Forest or the Bridgewater Triangle. Mm -hmm. I heard your show with uh, Bill Hall on on that Connecticut poltergeist case you were involved with back in the 70s, and you asked him if he had checked out any other houses in the area and if they had trouble at the same time. Sure enough, uh, they had. Have you found out any more about this since that show? And which you did. <laughs> we certainly, yes, absolutely. And I think that's a perfect um, response to your letter to say that Bill was driving home from somewhere. He lives in Connecticut, and he was listening to our show with our Rosemary Ellen Guiley, which was about shadow people, right? a very interesting phenomenon. And we very often will interp- will run into these so-called shadow people, which are sort of shadowy shapes, usually seen out of the corner of the eye, but sometimes seen straight on. And uh, I mentioned that small shadow people, almost child size, are often seen in parasite cases 
or as uh, an addendum to parasite cases. Well, sure enough, Bill said he, you know, he was very surprised when he heard that because that was exactly what he encountered in uh, an interview with some people who lived in houses near the Bridgeport Poltergeist House of 1974 that he has re- is writing a book about, and that I was uh, w- I'm one of the eyewitnesses to that to that case. And uh, he said, boy, that's exactly what they reported. Because um, at the time, you know, 40 years ago, I didn't have any inkling that these cases will affect not just one place or one group of people, but usually an entire area, because that's where the worlds are overlapping. They don't usually just overlap in one house, and a particularly small one at at that. But several other houses apparently were affected during this case, but the press didn't get wind of it, neither did the police, so nothing came out about it until now. So uh, there you go. That was uh, uh, the the, uh, shadow people, I suppose, if you want to call them, being seen. And we discussed with Rosemary what what are shadow people. It certainly could be just people seen across world boundaries, or they could be negative nasties like these parasites. So... um, other things that have been found, uh, uh, Bill is fascinated by what's happening. In fact, we're having dinner with him on Sunday, uh, and we will get more information about what he's been doing. But he's uh, keeping in touch, and he's uh, uncovering lots of interesting information that I'm sure will be uh, make, make for a great book, uh, which will be out next year, and we will be plugging it on the show. So stay tuned on that. But uh, he's finding out more all the time. So am I. Certainly things from... Witnesses whom I did not know uh, or did not know well and maybe encountered once or twice, particularly some of the police officers in the house. And Bill believes this is probably one of the best attested, uh, most witnessed poltergeist cases in history. And certainly I stood there watching stuff with with firefighters and police officers. Not to mention thousands of people outside the house. Thousands of people outside the house, yeah, who expected uh, Father Bill Charbonneau or I to come flying out the <laughs> window. like Because the, 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 uh, the Exorcist, uh, exorcist yeah. film had come out the previous December and uh, everybody was uh, that was where everybody was so what a mess anyhow good question and uh, we have a question from Amit Patel does not say where he is from so Amit writes to us uh, I am really into family histories especially when it comes to the paranormal uh, it really grabbed my attention to find out that the uh, guys descended from the Native American uh, shaman uh, Hien- that you guys are descended from the Native American shaman Hienio uh, who uh, who is he uh, to uh, he uh, Hyannis sorry I can't read right now Mondays uh, <laughs> Hyannis in Massachusetts on Cape Cod is uh, named for him uh, a very There's powerful a statue guy. of him in the middle of the town yeah I do not remember Remember, if you mentioned this on the show or if I heard it somewhere else, uh, could this have uh, anything to do with your interest in the paranormal? I know that psychic ability is supposed to run in families, uh, uh, and the uh, Roma or gypsies uh, put a great store in this. Do you find that uh, paranormal interests run in families too, also paranormal experiences? I remember you saying that parasites can follow families for generations. Well, it follows on our question of dreams running in families, you know. Family time. Yeah. Here on Behind the Paranormal. Uh, uh, well, this, I don't know, our, my maternal, my paternal grandmother from Nova Scotia was, uh, had a very, very interesting, unusual, and downright odd bunch of bloodlines converge in her. Um one of these supposedly includes Hyano, 
the great, uh, probably the greatest shaman on the East Coast. I know, but no, could, why I say Hienyo? I know. Well, I, I mean. There were different ways to pronounce it. Whatever. And Hyannis, <laughs> Massachusetts, where the Kennedys, I guess, were <laughs> is indeed named after him, because he was respected by even the Europeans. However, he didn't see the. Tr- I, you know, he wasn't. I don't know. He didn't see the the disasters coming with the diseases. Or maybe he I, did because he he just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. He was quite a guy. I don't know a lot about him, but supposedly he was our ancestor. He. Um, so is that why we're interested in the paranormal? The paranormal interest does come from that side of the family. My uh, grandmother, according to my older cousin who knew her very well, uh, was uh, looked just like a Native American, he said, and was um, not particularly interested in the paranormal. She was a very, very religious uh, Christian uh, herself, Protestant Christian. And uh, I, I, so I, I think, sure, there are certain bloodlines, and there are certain things in us that are... Are um, are there? My father was very interested. I, I certainly got my interest from my father in, in the paranormal. I think it's safe to say Ben got his from his father. Well, I mean, you know. Well, what are you, you going to do? Yeah, I memorized all your talks by heart by the time I was eight, <laughs> for better or for worse. So, uh, yeah, I think about right running families not because of genetics, but just because of influence. My, um, I don't know. I, I, I think it's quite interesting. Uh, I have seen. Parasites following families for generations. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, you sound like you might have some experience with this. I'd like to know uh, more about it, maybe in your own family. Uh, psychic ability, so-called, does seem to run in families as well. But so do blue eyes or certain color hair or what are, you know, warts on the nose. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, a lot of things... Uh, that are not physical do tend to run in families just as things that are physical do. So that's really all I could say about that. Um, so interests, uh, yeah, but it could not could be, could be just influence, that's all. Paranormal experiences. Yeah, I have noticed that sometimes paranormal experiences from family to family can be similar, but that could be because of what's following them, if anything. Maybe. So I mean, these are all are, open well, questions. People are in such close proximity to each other. Yeah, I mean, exactly. they're bound to... So, experience the same thing. Yeah, I'd say big. How much time we have, Mr. Producer? Uh, about five minutes. All right. All right. Well, we can. Uh, I guess we have time. Uh, our good friend and um, reporter, show reporter Donna from Connecticut, writes uh, many uh, different uh, reports to us about her very interesting case. One we have been following since '05. Certainly, one of the most interesting we've ever worked on together. It involves a tremendous you know, influence of overlapping worlds, in our opinion. And here is one report of what we have come to call the spaghetti incident. Okay, the spaghetti incident. Yes, yeah, so this is written in actually almost a year ago now. We have not had a chance to get to it on the air. <laughs> Last night, my daughter was here to pick up uh, her grandson, and I had made spaghetti for him to eat before he left. A pan of sauce was on the back burner, and my husband took a knife and cut a piece of meat directly from the pan and left the knife inside the pan. We heard a loud noise coming from the kitchen and went in, but could not immediately determine where it came from. I looked down, and the knife was all the way across the room underneath a chair. There were no drips on the stove, either on top or on the front, where the knife uh, may have slid, or on the floor in front of the stove, where it may have landed and then slid across the floor. The knife appeared to have hit the floor about three feet in front of the stove before landing under the chair. It would have had to lift out of the pan, over the front of the stove, and quite a ways before it hit. I know this uh, because my dogs ran to the spot and began to lick the sauce up. During the night 
last night, I was sleeping on the air mattress, and my ear was against it and not on the pillow. I woke up because of muffled booms that were coming from the floor. This, this is normal in this house. Anything can and does happen. Ben and I have slept in that house, by the way. Uh, when I picked up my head, I could not hear the noise, but when I put my ear back down, I could hear them again, the booming sounds. Also, there were sounds of heavy footsteps, but those uh, also could not be heard when I lifted my head. Talk to you soon. That's <laughs> all. Donna, you always send some interesting stuff. So the spaghetti incident. Everybody. I don't think anything is as messy in a kitchen as tomato sauce. No. You well, know, You can't eggs. miss it if it spills. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know? I was going to say eggs because eggs are pretty destructive. No, it's, it's red. You just you can't yeah. miss it. Then you have to clean yeah, it up. But it's usually got some kind of sugar in it, maybe. Not that I'm a cook, but uh, that'll stick. So th- this was uh, sort of odd. But again, this house is is a, a paranormal circus for the last sixty three years at least, and they've come to live with it. We we have found singular absence of negative forces in this house although i think that they may be hanging around the fringes that's the trouble with when you have a world overlaps and different denizens and things happening and pass-throughs that you just don't have any uh, way of knowing whether something negative is going to come in but these people are it's, it's a very happy house it's full of love if paranormal chaos and the people are great and so that that turns off parasites and does not attract them so that 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 could be the thing so that's uh I thought found that very interesting. And there are page after page after page of incidents from this house that uh, you just at the start like a whole new cabinet just for stuff that yeah, happens we, there. We, we, yeah, exactly. We do. Yes, I have a separate uh, file a pigeonhole for this this kind of thing. So uh, okay, so I gave we better get to our announcements on it. So again, thank you all for listening in. Write to us certainly at behindtheparanormal.com, uh, Paul at behindtheparanormal.com. And uh, Facebook, Facebook page. certainly page, yes. Facebook page, show Facebook page. page or our personal pages. Indeed. So you or uh, let's. I prefer Facebook page. It's okay. easier because it's all in one place. Yeah, and I can take and put them it. on one piece of paper and then read them. Okay. Yeah. So don't forget about that. You can visit our show website behindtheparanormal.com where you can find well over 500 free podcasts of all of our past shows, both regularly scheduled and specials. And you can also check out our site at www.newenglandghosts.com where there are case studies and photos along with articles by my dad. And you can find uh, books I've written on, on Barnes & Noble e-reader, Amazon Kindle, uh, and Amazon.com, which today is our neighborhood bookstore, I guess. Uh, but if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I will be happy to autograph them for you. Make sure you tell us your name. And you will help keep all those podcasts free on our website. Also on our sites, you'll find direct links to the several, several of the charities Ben and I have uh, mentioned, including USA Cares and Canadian Veterans Advocacy. And next Monday, January 13th, right here on WOON 1240 and com, we will welcome back renowned science journalist Linda Moulton Howe for a look at the her weird journey to uh, Gobekli Tepe, the 12,000-year-old uh, uh, ruins that uh, are turning ancient history upside down. So we'll leave you this evening with one of my favorite quotes and certainly one of the truest from the German theologian and philosopher Meister Eckhart. If the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. I love that quote. It is very nice. And it's very true. Indeed. We don't say thank you, not even on Thanksgiving. We watch football. And we, well, we didn't. No, we, no we, we said thank you. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. But we didn't, we didn't watch football. Well, right. or maybe we, it was on in a different room babbling and then nobody really paid Well, mom likes football. Right? That's true. Yeah, all right. But it's okay because we thank mom all the time as well. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Anyway, I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you 
next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.